winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris will be back tomorrow. Um, but uh, I have a guest to start the show. A, we've had over the um, we had DA Tom Quinn on election night. We've had Plymouth County District Attorney DA uh, Tim Cruz uh, yesterday, who who was the one of the, the few Republican survivors of the Massachusetts um, uh, Democratic onslaught. Um, but uh, one of the one of the phenomenons of the last election was that the Democrats were able to not only ouster um, Republican uh, Republican held seats, but they were also to, uh, able to flip open seats, uh, open countywide seats that were previously held by Republicans, particularly on the Cape and Islands. Uh, one of those Democrats is Robert Galboys, who's joining us now. Uh, DA-elect Galboys? Yes, good evening, Marcus. Thanks for joining me this evening. Um, before we get started, for people in the audience who may not know who you are, can you introduce yourself to the uh, to the audience? Yes, yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, first of all, Marcus, thank you again for the invitation for of this course. evening. And uh, my name is Rob Galboys. I was just elected uh, to become the next district attorney on the Cape and Islands. Uh, I've been practicing law for 27 years. I was a former prosecutor, or I am a former prosecutor, for the Cape and Islands DA's office. I started back in the 90s, and I was there for a little over five years. And since then, I've been in private practice with a criminal defense practice, which carried me throughout uh, all of Massachusetts and beyond to about a dozen other states. Uh, and I had the benefit, of, candidly, of uh, practicing in all of the district courts throughout Bristol County and the Superior Courts. So that's basically my uh, my career in a nutshell. We're speaking with uh, Cape and Islands DA-elect Robert Galboys. So um, it was a seat that was held by Michael O'Keefe, a Republican, for 20 years. The your challenge the the your opponent was one of his uh, deputies and I think ran with his endorsement uh, the the yeah. a Republican. How were you yeah. able to win that race? So it was really interesting. And if you could excuse me, just to give you a little bit of history on the office, because sure. actually uh, Bristol County plays into it. Um, Great. The office was born basically out of the Chappaquiddick incident incident on Martha's <laughs> Vineyard. Um, Chappaquiddick incident involving uh, the Kennedy, Senator Kennedy yes. occurred, Marcus, in July of 1969. Okay. And back then, the district attorney for that for the whole area was a gentleman last name Denise from New Bedford. Mm-hmm. Uh, back at that time, the Cape and Islands was part of the South Coast District, if you will. Okay. So, as you might imagine, that type of case, the district attorney, he was getting um, hit pretty hard from both sides with, you know, half the folks saying, hey, you're treating that case too seriously, and the other half saying you're treating it too lightly. So a gentleman from Mashpee named Phil Rollins saw an opportunity 
And the election cycle was the following year in 1970. So Rollins throws his hat in the ring. He prevails. And the very first thing he does, Marcus, is he gets with his state legislators to carve out the Cape and Islands uh, as its own district attorney's office. He's successful in those efforts. And in 1974, the Cape and Islands DA's office was born in the ballot. Wow. Rollins, Rollins runs as a Republican. He wins. He carries it from 1974 all the way through 2002. And at that point, his longtime assistant, Mike O'Keefe, who had already been in the office about 20 years at that point, yeah. runs. He wins and carries 2022. So it's essentially been one administration under Republican control for 48 years. Wow. And, I, and I, that's what I was taking on when I ran against them. That's, that's really... I mean that's really something. That's an interesting bit of history. I actually know one of the uh, prosecutors on the uh, on the Chappaquiddick case. Um, okay. So uh, he doesn't talk about it much. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so uh, so um, DA like Galboys, you, you, you what what message were you able to present to the people of the of the Cape and Islands? It's it's typically a conservative, uh, more conservative district, and you, you do have some Democratic electeds out there like Julian Sear and Dylan Fernandes. But for the most part, I mean, the, there was a Republican sheriff up until Don, you know Donna Buckley was elected with you. There's a Republican DA. So how were you able to overcome 48 years of uh, of Republican control of that of that seat? Well, that's exactly what I leaned on. I leaned on the fact that they were in office for so long, and I talked about the complacency that has developed over nearly a half a century. As I was going up and down across the Cape and the islands, nobody knew what the district attorney's office does. And most people didn't know anyone that worked there. Right. So I kept talking about the importance of community engagement in my campaign, and I came up with some specifics to uh, you know, address community engagement, which resonated throughout the Cape and the Islands. So I talked about establishing a community coalition in each town and a community engagement officer that would be in our neighborhoods every day, reporting directly back to me. And I just kept driving home that message, and it worked. We're speaking with uh, D, uh, Cape and Islands DA-elect Rob Galliboy. So... When you assume office in January, um, what are you? What are some of the initiatives you're looking to take on? What are the, some of the ch- some of the changes you're looking to make as Cape and Island CA? So a couple different things. I talked about this during my campaign. Over the course of 48 years, Marcus, there was never a woman as a first assistant. And several months ago, I announced that I would hire a woman as my first assistant. Now. Um, she basically was behind the scenes in my campaign for a long time, but she was with us on election night when it became clear that I was going to win. I got the literally got the nod from her in the audience, and I announced her, and she came up to the podium. Um, you might know her, Marcus. Her name is Jessica Alumba. She's presently a prosecutor in Plymouth County, but she used to work in Bristol County, uh, and she's going to be my first assistant. Um, a couple other initiatives is we're looking to launch a mental health court in the district court and a veteran session court in the district court. As you know, Marcus, as a practitioner, those specialty sessions exist in other counties across the Commonwealth, but not in the Cape and Islands. And again, I touched upon the complacency that exists with the present administration by their failure not to launch those programs. So um, 
that's the, was my next question. So there's a lot of talk about when you know when Democrats run for DA now. There's 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 do not prosecute. You know, people I think chide. You know, do not prosecute list. I don't know if that was an initiative that you were taking on, but um, diversion I think is a really important component of of prosecution. Like you know, like you said, I I, I worked as a solo practice attorney for for about seven years, and um, being able to find an alternative to seeing a case through a traditional sentence i think is is uh very i think very helpful by and large to um making sure people you know reducing the the overall rate of recidivism so how much of like diversion is going to play into your prosecutorial philosophy uh in your in your first term well it was kind of interesting um (laughs) i i put on the website when we launched in january to cut some, some attention about adult diversion. Um, as you know, Marcus, that exists in, you know, DA's office across the Commonwealth. But sure. when, when I announced this in January, it was not a practice down here in the Cape and Islands District. So, um, lo and behold, a couple weeks after I announced it, uh, I started learning of some cases in the adult session being diverted. Um, and uh, for a while, what I was understanding is many DA's offices, Marcus, would put a cap on the age that they would offer diversion in the adult session, and that cap was age 21 or 22. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I try to be a, a logical person. Yeah. And, um, you know, you could be in your later 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s when you make your first oops in life. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to cap it at any particular age. I thought that was artificial. Um, so if – and I won't. I, I'll, I'll still – utilize the adult diversion program i'm not going to cap it by any sort of age and as you well know it's like if the person charged with something assuming it's a non-violent uh matter then i'm willing to talk to the person uh to counsel of course if necessary and if we have a layer of confidence that this was an aberration we're not going to see this person again then i'm willing to talk to them about diversion so um so uh, that seems like a very arbitrary figure, and frankly, if you're going to set a number, that seems way too early, uh, 21. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's striking to me. So um, yep. the other thing, another broader conversation people have is, especially uh, I think Democrats running for top prosecutor, is addressing racial disparities in prosecution in the criminal justice system in general. Uh, do you right. have any plans to address that um, uh, as Cape and Islands DA? I do. So when we first announced it, it was um, released in the media, a study by Mass Inc. And that Mass Inc. study, I think it dated back to 2015, but it was released in 2022, talked about how the overall uh, African-American population in Barnstable County was just about 3%. I think it was 2.9. But yet, in terms of pretrial detention, African-Americans comprised 25% of the pre-trial detention population. Incredible. So when I was asked about that back in January, you know, I said, that's not simply a disparity. That's a reflection of a complete failure of the system. Yeah. So how do you fix it, of course? And the only way you can try to start to fix it is if you can identify it, and you identify it by keeping data. And, of course, this office did not keep the data. So I talked about in trying to address uh, racial disparities, my office will keep data so we can scrutinize ourselves with periodic reviews and, more importantly, 
be transparent about it, open it up to the public, share it with the public, so we can also be criticized, if criticism is necessary, as to what we're doing. We obviously want to uh, apply a level hand across all communities. And, you know, while it's nice for us to say, hey, we'll look at the data and we'll adjust our practices if necessary, it's important to make sure the public's part of that process, too. We're speaking with uh, Cape and Islands District Attorney-Elect uh, Rob Galliboy. So um, one of you, you, you spoke about pretrial detention. One of the issues I just had... Um, I just had D.A. Cruz on uh, last night, and he's a supporter of the dangerousness bill. D.A. Quinn over here in Bristol County is also a supporter of the uh, the dangerousness bill uh, as well. It's up on Beacon Hill. It was a legacy project of Charlie Baker's. I don't think he's going to get passed, but it's still probably going to come up again in the next legislative session. In fact, I think D.A. Cruz said he it was something that he hopes the Mass D.A.'s Association will uh, lobby for what is your position on the dangerousness bill and for people who don't know danger uh you know a, a request for a dangerousness hearing is basically to request somebody be held without bail for a period of, i think of 120 days um uh district court 180 days uh, superior court so what's your position on that on that uh that proposed law my understanding is that that's how the law is right now and i candidly marcus i need to refresh what the sought after change changes are um i i do know there was proposed legislation candidly i cannot remember as i'm sitting here talking to you what the additions were i it might have been i'm not 100 percent on this it might have been something like being detained as a danger throughout the pendency of the case as opposed to that, those days. Well, well, essentially, what the what the law is to um, is to try to expand the list of offenses that yep. a uh, that a that a, a DA or an ADA, I guess, w- could request a dangerousness hearing. Now, I mean, you know that even just requesting the hearing can put somebody in jail for three days. Um, well. But uh, I understand that there's probably some crimes that um, don't fall under the umbrella of dangerousness that might necessarily that probably should be but like are you i guess i guess the better question is you know what is your going as as the da da's office you're going to be in the business of requesting bails and requesting dangerousness hearings right i imagine that um da o'keefe's office had uh, a more stringent uh, view on how on how uh, you know what types of sentences, what types of bails, what types of da- uh, uh, cases get dangerous as hearings. Are you what types of what's your what's your view on um, pre uh, pretrial requests for bail or and pretrial detention? How is that going to change under you? So, in terms of and this was on my website, and there was several discussions throughout the course of the campaign. Um, I've indicated where it's, you know, a nonviolent felony uh, that's not like, you know, that, that does not involve public safety. Uh, we wouldn't be seeking cash bail. Okay. Uh, and it, that's equivalent, essentially, to the federal system. I had a healthy federal practice as well. And you don't have a cash bail system in the federal system. It, you're either released on conditions or you're held without bail. And it's right. of course. Um, so I am a big proponent of uh, conditions of release 
I think that is a great way to start trying to encourage people to conform their behavior. Of course, it's about, you know, making sure they return to court for their court dates. But it has that impact or effect of also getting them to conform their behavior to societal norms. So there's that benefit, of course. We both know, Marcus, um, those that, you know, subject themselves to a very powerful weapon, and that's the dangerousness hearing, um, those types of cases are lesser. Um, the overwhelming majority of cases that arrive in our district court, when I say overwhelming majority, I'm talking more than 80%, um, wouldn't qualify for a dangerousness type of hearing. Right. Unfortunately, there is a particular population that, you know, uh, harbors some evil intent, and that's just a reality. Yeah. So on those types of occasions, then yes. Uh, you should break out that very powerful tool you, a DA has as an option with a dangerous hearing. But that, it certainly should not be the practice. Uh, it should only be used uh, on, a, I'd say, case-by-case basis, but it's, very, it's a very small percentage. We're speaking with Robert Galboys. He was just elected to be the Cape and Islands DA, uh, a seat that was held by Democrats, I mean Republicans, for 48 years, and uh, he'll be the first Democrat to hold the office. So uh, DA-elect Galboys, um, one of the things that I think, one of the issues that you have on your website is talking about uh, protecting elders from fraud and abuse. He, you know, and over here in Bristol County, Tom Quinn, I know, uh, started an elder fraud uh, uh, unit uh, and I think does quite a bit for seniors. Um, what plans do you have to to protect the senior population of Cape Cod and, and the islands uh, as DA? Again, um, I also plan on having an, an elder abuse unit, uh, hopefully fully funded, fully staffed, with the prosecutors, the victim witness assistants, and the support staff, of course, so it can be implemented uh, completely. Um, and again, what's really important is uh, outreach to the community for awareness, uh, So and, and also establishing those lines of communications so candidly people know where to go right if you know if something's going on be it contacting the office of the da be it contacting police of course um so getting out there into your communities as best as you can to promote awareness and make sure folks are aware of how to communicate whatever concerns that they see so um you you know you, you are uh I know you have your own uh, your your own law practice, and you're tra- transitioning to another, I guess you know, managerial role. Um, but you're going to be taking on staff that's probably used to a different way of doing things. Um, definitely different, uh, used to a different way yeah. of doing things. And you notice that there, yeah. you know, obviously, there's going to be some personal uh, per- personnel changes with Jessica Alumba going going to be your the first woman first assistant in Barnstable County or the Cape and Islands. Um, how yeah. are you going to work with the staff, the ADAs, and the victim witness advocates, et cetera? to um, adjust them to the new policies that you're going to be putting in? So we are, you know, we're a new administration, and we're building our team. Um, I think you'll see uh, a lot of the same faces that are presently uh, with the district attorney's office. You will also see a lot of new faces. And those that will be remaining, so to speak, uh, will be those that can get behind uh, our philosophy and understand what you know, what we're about. Um, we we were fortunate. We enjoyed a, a pretty good margin uh, on election night. So it's pretty clear that the the voters across the Cape and Islands are, are 
ready for and adopting the change that we offer throughout the course of the campaign. So um, how was your, you, you were a defense attorney. Um, I think a lot of DAs are defense attorneys, but some of them just, you know, sort of rise through the ranks of the process, uh, through, um, through the prosecutor's office. Uh, how is your experience as a defense attorney going to inform your, um, your policymaking, your administration as DA? Well, it's kind of interesting. I talked about this during the campaign is having worked cases from both sides, so to speak, um, it, it, there's an intrinsic value for that. And I offer that it, it allows me to kind of bring a deeper sense of public safety. I've stood up on behalf of the Commonwealth representing victims' interests, of course, and I've stood up on behalf of the individual targeted by the charges. Um, so I, getting to be able to understand the impact on both sides, I think, candidly, is an invaluable experience. I'd even perhaps go so far that, you know, it should perhaps be a prerequisite. Yeah. So you have an understanding of how charges impact both sides. So I think it's a benefit. I talked about it a lot over the course of the campaign. And again, I, I think it resonated well with the voters. So we're speaking with uh, Robert Galvoice. He's the uh, he was just elected to be Cape and Islands District Attorney uh, after a, after a Republican and held the seat for forty eight years. He's uh, the first Democrat to um, to hold uh, to to hold the seat. I was just out of curiosity. Do you and I'm not you know obviously you haven't even been sworn in yet, so you may not know. Is there any correlate? Is there any correlation between like the types of cases that you get? or the volume of cases that you'll get in the Cape and Islands DA and like whether or not it's um, uh, whether or not it's on or off season for, for, for tourism. Um, during the summertime, I'd certainly suggest that your OUI cases go up, your disorderly cases go up, um, more people on the road. So your motor vehicle offenses typically go up. Uh, you know, you might have some, more an increase in incidents that are fueled by, of course, the unindicted co-conspirator alcohol or substances. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of a tick up uh, during the summer months for a few different reasons. So we're speaking with Cape and Islands DA elect Robert Galboys. Um, uh Mr. Galboys, I appreciate you coming on the program. I, I look forward to you joining us uh, as your um, as your first term continues to talk about some of the work that you're doing uh, over on the Cape and Islands. Um, before we, before I let you go, is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with? I just want to say, seriously, thank you for the opportunity. Please continue to contact me. I am trying to demonstrate that we're about transparency and that our door is open not just to community members, but also to media, which, of course, is an extension of the community. So, again, I appreciate the opportunity this evening. And uh, feel free to remain in touch. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. No problem. You have a good evening. You as well. That was uh, that was uh, Robert Galboys. He was just elected to be um, district attorney in the Cape and Islands. First Democrat to ever hold the seat in 48 years. So it was an interesting bit of history he gave us. And um, I like having the uh, I like having the DAs on. They're always. I think they always have. Um, or I guess uh, DA elects. They always have a lot of interesting stuff to say. All right, I'm going to take a break. We'll uh, we'll be back. This is uh, South Coast Night. I'm Marcus. Chris will be back uh, tomorrow. 
station. Yes, 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. It looks like, so, uh, that was Robert Galboys. He was just elected uh, DA of the Cape and Islands, um, first Democrat to hold the seat in 48 years uh, since since the office was established. And um, the Barnstable County Sheriff uh, Donna Buckley, a uh, uh, sheriff like Donna Buckley, is the first uh, first um, I think Democrat to hold that in at least twenty years. I think they they had a twenty year incumbent uh, over there as well. Uh, one of the I think I mean they ran good campaigns. Obviously, I think Robert Galboy's won by about fifteen thousand votes, which is pretty incredible considering the other guy had the endorsement of the outgoing district attorney, Michael O'Keefe. I think it shows you how, um, I don't know. I mean, a couple of things. It's hard to blame everything on Jeff Deal uh, and Jim Lyons, right? I mean, because over here you had, obviously, um, the you know, our sheriff, uh, Tom Hodgson. He's, um, he's been, he's, he, he was defeated, right? We're going to have a Democratic sheriff for the first time in 25 years, too. Uh I think it's hard to blame all this stuff on Jim Lyons. I think it's hard to blame all this stuff on Donald Trump and Jeff Deal. Um, I think those, I think Jim Lyons especially. I think everybody wants to, Jim Lyons is the chair of the Mass GOP for people who might not know. He was a state rep in Andover for probably about 10 years or so. And then he got beaten uh recently and after he got beaten he was he became chair of the mass gop uh he has obviously done a terrible job he's run terrible candidates and it's it's not only you know uh, resulted in you know a democratic sweep of the constitutional offices after holding the governor's office for eight years it also resulted in you know down ballot republicans taking a beating as well like um like Tom Hodgson. So it's hard to say it's all his fault, you know, because, you know, Lyons is a big Trump guy. Jim Lyons right now is waiting for the, he's, he's in, in Mar-a-Lago. With, he's literally in Mar-a-Lago with the president. He's in Mar-a-Lago with the president right now. <laughs> so waiting for his announcement. So it's hard to say Jim Lyons is a problem rather than a symptom of the problem. He's not the cause of the Massachusetts Republicans' unelectability in uh, Massachusetts. He's what you get, you know, in like a post-Donald Trump Republican Party, right? I mean, this, this, this notion that, like, it's all of Jeff Deal's fault, right? Like, oh, Jeff Deal is a bad candidate, you know, we need to, you know, Jeff Deal's a terrible candidate. We we need a candidate that's not going to, you know, run 16 points behind the Democratic challenger, especially in a state where Republicans have done very well staking out more moderate positions, uh, staking out more moderate positions in, um, in, in getting elected. But the, the, the electorate didn't want that. That case was made. To the electorate. That case was made and money got put behind it. And people, like influential people, came out in favor of that, in favor of Chris Doty, right? I think everybody, most people here came out in favor of Chris Doty. That case was made. 
It was more financed. He, his campaign was a lot more financed than Jeff Deals, too. But at the end of the day, they wanted the Trump guy. They wanted the guy endorsed by Trump. Again, Jim Lyons, a symptom, not the cause of the problem. The problem is, by and large, voters in Massachusetts who are Republicans want uh, want somebody that's more like Trump than Charlie Baker. And Charlie Baker went on CNN. Charlie Baker went on CNN uh, with Jake Tapper and talked about, you know, like the, the demise of his type of Republican or really even his type of elected official. And, you know, I, I think he's right about a lot of things, but I also think he's screaming into the sun because... At the end of the day, you're going to get Donald Trump as the nominee for president. Maybe Ron DeSantis. But I don't think so. But Ron DeSantis is basically Donald Trump without the... Donald Trump that's like doesn't have like the, pers- the celebrity persona or that's even remotely funny sometimes. Right? <laughs> And like the, a more off-putting Donald Trump is basically what he is he, to a lot of people. You know, he's a classical politician. He worked in the Justice Department. He got elected to Congress. He became a governor, like very, you know, very classical tract for the presidency, right? But he doesn't have nearly the personality or the presence that Donald Trump has. He's Donald Trump without the presence of Donald Trump. And I just don't think it works. I don't think it works nationally. I think it works in Florida, sure. I think it works in his own little insular state. But he's in a in a national primary. I think I just don't. I don't see it being even remotely close. I don't see it being remotely close between the two. And so, and we'll see where Massachusetts goes with this, right? We'll see where Massachusetts goes with with the uh, with the with a Trump uh, with a Trump. Uh, DeSantis primary because Massachusetts overwhelmingly voted for Trump in the presidential primary in 26 when it was competitive they overwhelmingly voted for Trump you won Massachusetts easily so again all this Republican bloodshed of of on a Tuesday night you can blame Jim Lyons you can crow about Jeff Deal and sure like Jeff Deal ran a terrible campaign and didn't really try that hard And he never should have been the nominee in the first place. But he's reflective of the type of candidate the electorate wants in terms of ideology of where they stand, where they stand on the on the Trump or not like spectrum. And that's like the grim reality. I think a lot of the you know, a lot of Republicans are going to have to face in Massachusetts if they if they want to get elected, they have to completely separate and disabuse themselves of anything having to do with Donald Trump and you know people especially don't like if if a mass if Massachusetts going to elect Republicans they're going to elect people that are more moderate technocrats they're not going to elect culture warriors right who are going to crow about CRT and 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 uh, CRT and transgender issues that's just not that's just not the type of Republican that's going to be electable here and really most places I mean look at the midterms 508-996-0500. Let's take a break. 1420 WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. Your voice heard right now on South Coast Tonight. Call 508-996-0500 or send an app chat message on the WBSM app. Now, back to Chris and Marcus. 
So, by the way, I was Tim was at Oh My Dog, uh, which is a hot dog place on a Christian Ave earlier today. He was broadcasting live from there. Uh, Scott Pemberton owns that place. He 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 just started it. Uh, Scott Pemberton was a former uh, city, uh, candidate for city council uh, at large and a really really nice guy. And so he was there, and I'm like, I've heard great things about this place. I got to go try it. So I went to Oh My Dog on a Cushion Ave, and I got to tell you, it's really, really good. Um, interesting spin on hot dogs. I had the breakfast dog, which is like corned beef hash and egg on a on a hot on all beef hot dogs. By the way, all beef hot dogs. That's what he uh, that's what he goes with. So you're not getting any of the the weird stuff that you usually get in hot dogs. All beef, and uh, yeah, I had a, a breakfast dog. I had a um, I had a, a street corn dog. I met a listener uh, named Donna. Um, so that was it's always cool to meet listeners. Um, 508-996-0500. Good evening. Good evening, my friend. How are we doing? Good. Uh, again, uh, back to Donald Trump, and I don't want to spend too much time on him, uh, but I think he's doing a good job in destroying the Republican Party in Massachusetts and a good job at doing it maybe around the country as well. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I just... It's all about him, you know. It is all about him, but the Republicans have kind of made it about him. Right. Like every even every central issue that they have is about Donald Trump. Yeah. Like it's all like electric, you know, uh, let's curb election fraud. That's about him yeah. losing. Right. Yep. Well, again, it's like, uh, you know, I'm an independent and I could vote for Charlie Baker. But yeah. I could not vote for Donald Trump. I could I could probably even vote for uh, the governor of Florida there. What's his name again? Ron DeSantis. He's the same guy. Yeah. He's just less rude. Yeah, He's the exactly. same guy. The, the rudeness and the, it's all about me and not the Constitution and not helping the country first and everything. That's another thing. So he's, he's doing a good job in destroying your loyal opposition, Marcus. So you'll have control over things in Massachusetts for a while. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was I was watching TV again this weekend in uh, OTR, as you know, I watch. And, uh, sure. I think her name is Andrea Campbell. Yeah. And she became the uh, uh, the uh, attorney general. Yeah. Now, uh, in, her, in her, you know, biography that they gave, is she a lawyer? Because they didn't mention that she uh, Of course. Law. Yeah, you have to be. Well, yeah. I, I didn't see that. I, I didn't see that. In, they didn't yeah, she, that. so she was, I've had Andrea. She was Boston City Councilor. Yeah, I've had Andrea on a few times. She was a, um, she is, she was a Boston City Councilor. She was Boston City Council President. She actually ran for mayor uh, last go around. She's probably, luck, she's probably happy she didn't win uh, because I think this is a much better job. Yeah. But uh, uh, she, yeah, she was a general counsel for, um, I think she was, she worked in the, Deval Patrick. She worked as an attorney for Deval, Deval Patrick. And uh, his gubernatorial administration, and she worked, I think, at uh, various like big nonprofits and NGOs. So um, she, yeah, she's an uh, she's an attorney and a, well, and a pretty it, experienced one. Again, the, and her biographical makeup, they didn't list the fact that she got a juris doctor from wherever. I was wondering because I think, like even the Supreme Court, I I don't think constitutionally you have to be a lawyer. Uh, for the Supreme Court, there is no requirement in the Constitution yeah. that you be a lawyer. That's correct. So I, I mean, I, that was because the, the Constitution was written, you know, however many years ago yeah, before yeah. that was a thing. But, you know, but, you know I, I know some of those uh, those courtrooms in Europe, I think they have two judges, and sometimes they have one just regular person there, you know. I, I think that's part of the makeup. I they think try you to can be administ- an administrative judge yeah. uh, it, without being a lawyer as well, yeah. administratively. Yeah. But, I mean, you're not going to get a Supreme Court justice that's not well, a lawyer. Well, not in this country, yeah. no, no. You know, but again, you know, but again it, it's it's entirely possible. Maybe yeah. Trump will run for the Supreme Court and have somebody appoint him. I don't know. But, it's again, I, that's what I found unusual here. 
her, her family story is very uh, compelling. It uh, really is, how, yeah. You know, did well. and, and as I recall, when I got the ballot, I don't think the Republicans ran anybody against her at all, right? They did. They. <laughs> okay, That's good. funny. So they basically didn't, right? Yeah. So they did. They ran uh, Jay McMahon. But the fact okay. that you didn't, the fact that you you said that is a is a reflection on him. Yeah. As a bad as a running a poor campaign. Yeah, he was on your show, wasn't he? He was on I my show. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but that just shows you how you know he was on the show. Yeah. But um. But yeah. Uh. He he was on the ballot. He ran twice against Moore Healy and. Mm-hmm. I think twice, yeah. He ran twice against Moore Healy. Or mm-hmm. he ran once against Moore Healy and lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, ran again. Nice guy, but just yeah, not... Yeah, he seems to be a decent guy. Decent and, uh, guy, but just not a not a, not a not a strong candidate for the office. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all right, that's, that's what I wanted to, you know, get get clued in on. Because sure. I, didn't, I didn't see any, uh, you, know, um, you know, biography thing about her being... A former prosecutor or anything like that, and uh, yeah, you know, um, I, I I thought our former prosecutor could have done well in that job. You know, you must have got told no, don't run. I guess I, I think he was a strong candidate. Um, yeah. I think Andrea Campbell came in with a lot of momentum. I think she would have been tough to beat because she had a lot of momentum. A lot of people backed her. Yeah, I I, I got a funny feeling if he yeah. didn't make any inquiries about it, they they might have told him this is not your time and this is not for you. That they were you know saving it for her for. For reasons that they have and yeah. that sort of stuff, but he'll be on tomorrow night, right? He will be on tomorrow night. Yep. Okay. So, uh, I I kind of feel if he didn't get told, uh, you know, to, to stay away, you, he could cold feet. <laughs> I, 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 I think thought so. That's where he was going to go. I think he could have. He's a former prosecutor. I think he could have. He had a strong resume for it. He's a mayor of sure. a city, so he's got administrative experience. Sure. He was a U.S. assistant U.S. attorney for a long time. He could have absolutely been a candidate for that job and uh i think a pretty strong one yeah, but yeah a double harvard graduate yeah, you know i think yeah. he could have been a strong candidate for that he, job he but ultimately to, he must have got told to back off uh, or you got cold feet one or the other i don't know which which it is but yeah. uh because uh, uh, again yeah, if, if you're looking at someone and they say well i'm a former yeah. u.s uh, uh, prosecutor that, that's pretty strong and that's it, it, uh, to me you want a powerful person like that in there who's gonna you know go after these bad guys he, hey listen I, I gotta take this break but okay, if you want to call back all right thank uh, you, i gotta so open. Let me speak for a while okay Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, I gotta, I gotta take this break, but we gotta open phone lines for the rest of the show. So call back, please. What's up, Tyson? 